Hello and welcome everybody to episode 49, yes 49, of a little show I like to call Near Perfect Pitch. Lots to look forward to today, and by lots I mean tonnage. Um, I've had uh, a little, uh, well, a sabbatical of sorts. Been away uh, for business, for business. I've uh, been in New Orleans for a week, which was uh, an eye-opener, and I'll get into that a little bit later. And... Uh, had a little bit of a sabbatical prior to that due to some uh, technical difficulties in the studio, but I'm back in earnest now and I'm playing uh, a really concerted game of catch-up. So I'll be recording this show, uh, and this show is a beauty. I'll be talking to Stephen Laurie from uh, the Telescopes later on in the programme. So you've got that to look forward to. The interview will be housed as is the norm at the uh, end of the show, usually chucking together about 30 songs if you are uh, a first-timer and, uh, and an interview with an interesting artist each and every week, and this week being no different. Uh, again, Stephen Laurie uh, of the Telescopes. Brilliant stuff. New release-wise, I can let you know that uh, there's a new Fall album. Fancy that. So we'll be doing a double whammy there. So the obligatory Fall off track this week will be a new release of the new record, which uh, was released last week. New facts emerge on uh, Cherry Red Records. Amongst other new releases, as I'm trying to scan down my list here, there'll be some new releases from the telescopes at the end of the programme, uh, which is entirely relevant. Um, what else we got there? Oh, yeah, new stuff, which I had bumped from last week's uh, programme. Uh, my Heart Has Wings. We're going to be playing that uh, by... By, uh, Jad Fair, aided and abetted by Tennescoats and uh, Norman Blake from Teenage Fan Club. Got a really nifty uh, angelic hat trick today. That's the theme of the hat trick this week. Uh, we have our um, Tinterweb time, as is the norm. Got a dedication or two to get uh, to get out way. And uh, our weekly peel is coming from uh, Scotland this week in the form of uh, the Skids. And our Essential Wax LP of the week this week is The Sun Is Off and Out from 1996 by Long Pigs. This week, it's a really, really good, uh, it's a really good, really good opportunity to play this song, which is an album track, which didn't get an awful lot of traction, but to me, it's, it's the best song on the debut record by a wonderful band, The High, who I've had on the programme uh, quite some weeks ago. Love, love, love them. This is from their first LP entitled Somewhere Soon that was released on uh, FFRR Records in 1990. This is an album track, as I mentioned, Rather Be Marsan. Wasted all the years Now you see your change 
single from 1990 that appeared on their only LP uh, entitled uh, Bed from 1991 and uh, Cherry Red Records is rather good uh, as they always do. Uh, repackaging re-release of this with uh, every B-side Peel Sessions of the full Monty. Uh, that is out of print however but if you do have it you will have everything that 5.30 have, uh, have put to tape as it were. Before that a lovely lovely way to kick off the programme The High from 1990s immense Somewhere Soon record uh, on FFRR London Records Rather Be Marsan, an LP track and let it be said, this week is brought to you, this week's programme rather, as I qualify it, is brought to you by Stephen Laurie, The Telescopes and The Real Ginger Nut Biscuit, and by real I mean real chunks of ginger, I'm talking that uh, crystalline lovely, bracing taste of real ginger so Stephen will be with us at the end of the programme I'm looking forward to sharing that with you as I am uh, three uh, tracks by the telescopes in relation to the last song that we heard uh, 5.30 um, there was a split obviously uh, and one of the band members uh, Paul Bassett uh, specifically uh, went on to be in a band called Orange Deluxe that released a series of singles in uh, in the early 90s and they didn't last too too long but I believe I've got the lot uh, and this is a particular single from 1994 and uh, their debut single at that entitled Judy Over the Rainbow uh, before I get into uh, clicking that button and playing it for you I can let you know that uh, you can expect to hear coming up rather soon uh, some Mogwai. You will uh, be able to hear uh, something from uh, the boy least likely to. Uh, there'll be our hat trick forthcoming, which has an angelic undertone uh, throughout. Some Matthew Sweet throwing some American music there for you. Um, and quite possibly, uh, well, the fall I did mention, you can uh, also hear some uh, Frazier chorus, uh, some Love and Rockets, and even some Gallon Drunk. She said that hers was a wonderful world to belong to One where it happens exactly the way that you dreams do I said the dreamers dressed in filthy rags looked in plastic bags And the way she goes Five o'clock in 
7th LP released in 1994 entitled Whiplash and uh, preceded by Judy Over the Rainbow on Chrysalis Records from the very same year that uh, was Orange Deluxe four songs in to the episode don't forget that you can email me at nearperfectpitch at gmail.com at any juncture should you wish to uh, have a chat or request something or uh, I don't know be needling and be nasty and tell me I'm doing something I shouldn't be that, that type of banter. I'll listen to it all and reply to all emails. Nearperfectpitch.com is the uh, is the oracle whereby if you go there, you can find all the ways and means by which to listen. If you're not happy with the way you're listening now, you have a choice. Uh, you can do Apple, uh, be, being iTunes. You can do Google Play. You can do the old uh, Podbean and uh, TuneIn Radio as well as a lot of aggregators there that pick up the show, hoping to add some more as time goes on. But for now, it's accessible to the masses. Uh, And uh, also, I wanted to mention um, that uh, coming up in the programme, we have got the usual interview uh, this week. uh, Very happy to be sharing an interview uh, with Stephen Laurie from uh, The Telescopes. And uh, next week, excited to tell you, for the Big 50 I am uh, said age. A friend of mine has recently just celebrated said age, and the show will be said age in uh, in terms of numbers of uh, podcast episodes that I have uh, broadcast under the guise of uh, of near perfect pitch. So it's kind of celebratory next week. So uh, I'm delighted to say that uh, the interview of the week next week will be Bill Pritchard. I uh, did that interview this morning with him. Uh, he's just fresh off uh, a little uh, mini three-day Japanese tour. And it's so glad to ha- I'm so glad rather to have him back in terms of he is making records, uh, two records in in, uh, in recent years, after uh, a decade sabbatical, uh, a hiatus, and he's back in business. And uh, the two records of late are fantastic in keeping with if you do know his material. Bill can write a tune. Anyway, that's uh, to look forward to next week. And let me just check here as I'm uh, rambling to see how, what I've got lined up for you next. Aha, I've got uh, something quite nifty lined up for you. It is, uh, we're going to jump into our cover version, cover me, of the week uh, right away this week. And it's a good one, and I'll tell you why. Now, uh, way back when, there was a an outfit called uh, Spiz Energy, and uh, they were the brainchild of uh, Kenneth Spears, vocalist, guitarist, a.k.a. Spiz, uh, with subsequent uh, band names such as Atletico Spiz 80, Spiz Oil, and even the Spizzles. Okay, 
just let you ingest all that. Now, REM were famous for uh, treating their fans really, really well. Lots of exclusives for uh, fan club members. Back in the days before digital, they were doing a wonderful array of, of vinyl uh, keepsakes for, for the really hardcore REM fans, those that were there uh, from the beginning. Anyway, in 1992, they recorded a wonderful rendition of Spiz Energy's Where's Captain Kirk, which was originally released in 1979 uh, by Spiz Energy on Rough Trade Records. So, long story short, cover me this week is REM doing Spiz Energy.
The Sublime Mogwai. New Paths to Helicon, Part 1. Always, usually, well, referred to as just simply Helicon 1. It was uh, first released as a double A side with New Paths to Helicon, Part 2, um, as a, a 3,000 uh, copy limited edition. Uh, but you can get yours on uh, the 97 uh, compilation, rather, uh, entitled 10 Rapid on uh, Jet Set Records. Uh, amongst other labels uh, worldwide through different uh, licensing. Lovely stuff. So, before we heard that ethereal wonderment that was uh, Mogwai, we heard uh, Where's Captain Kirk, as done by REM, covering uh, Spiz Energy's classic from uh, 1979. So that's uh, quite uh, an eclectic array of tunes thus far on the programme. And uh, let's continue in this vein, shall we, with uh, with something by the Monochrome set, a single from '93, uh, uh, also on the Cherry Red Records. No nepotism intended here with Cherry Red. It just happened to be that way. Uh, I was talking uh, to, to Bill Pritchard, as I mentioned, uh, for next week's interview. Uh, I was talking to him this morning, and he uh, he was, uh, amongst other things, talking about how uh, how highly he rates the Monochrome set. And uh, just yesterday, uh, coincidentally. Uh, a chap who is famous for his uh, for his uh, reviews uh, in the enemy back in the day, as it were. Uh, the chap who also w- was uh, behind starting Loaded, uh, James Brown, who's also a, an author and a general funster and radio uh, personality as well. He was talking about it on his Facebook page, uh, and I'd already playlisted the show, i.e., put down a load of songs that I think uh, I should get to during the course of the programme and uh, and Forever Young was, has been sitting there for a couple of weeks uh, as a song to play so uh, in a matter of uh, 24 hours two people in the know talking about a band that I was hoping to share with you uh, but I think this adds a little bit more uh, oomph to the matter whereby uh, there are countless bands of course that uh, we can all debate till the end of time in terms of oh they should have been massive they should have been they were better than them what have you but uh, that's the beauty of music, isn't it, really? You can go backwards and uh, and uh, figure out what you've missed and discover them for the very, very first time. So here's the monochrome set with a track entitled Forever Young. Shall wear them tonight 
10 minutes and 55 seconds worth of this corrosion, Sisters of Mercy, off their second LP, in the titled, oh hang on a minute, we're segueing aren't we, I'm going to fade it out, because this corrosion does go right into Flood 2. Now, Sisters of Mercy, one of three singles off their second of three studio LPs, uh, Floodland, and that's this corrosion. And uh, as I say, nearly 11 minutes worth of that beauty. And before that, uh, from Charade or Charade, depending on where you're from, the monochrome set, uh, that's their seventh LP uh, from 1993 on Cherry Red Records, and we heard a song called Forever Young. And in case uh, you've got uh, amnesia, which I suffer from, uh, if you listen to the show often enough, you will uh, you will note that uh, on numerous occasions per programme, I uh, exemplify uh, short-term memory loss. Um, anyway, New Paths, Telecon Part 1, Mogwai, was what we heard before the lovely, lovely, the monochrome set. Now it's time for uh, this week's hat-trick, the time of the show, of the programme of the week, where you can put your feet up, you can uh, get your badminton racket out and uh, make a fool of yourself in front of the mirror. Uh, you can do any number of things. Point is, three in a row, and as I mentioned at the top of the programme, there's a semblance of a theme throughout this particular hat-trick this week, and that theme would be angels.
from 1988. Sorry, 1998. What's wrong with me? That's a mezzanine or mezzanine, depending on where you're from as well. Another pronunciation of uh, of debate. Um, and you wrote, that's Massive Attack, one of five singles of uh, 98's uh, mezzanine. Uh, and uh, that, of course, is Angel. And that was preceded by Be My Angel by Mazzy Star from their debut record, She Hangs Brightly on Rough Trade Records. My, oh my, oh my, Mazzy Star. I put something on my Facebook page the other day. Uh, if, if you're fumbling or struggle, struggling to, to, to make sense of just about anything, you know, flicking on the news and, and uh, woe betide the doom and gloom that we're all subject to on a daily basis, listen to all four Mazzy Star albums in sequence and uh, it will save your soul. It really, really will. And it'll make you uh, it'll make you appreciate that uh, there are enough good folk of us out there to, 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 to turn the tide. At least that's what I'm clinging to anyway. Mazzy Star, just feel good stuff. Hope Sandoval can sing out, as they say, and I'll buy it. And of course, we kick things off with our angelic hat trick with Cocteau Twins from their second LP, 1983's Head Over Heels on 4AD Records in our angelhood. We're up to date. Now it's time for some Love and Rockets. Everything to do with you I'm alive 
like sun lays me down with my mind she runs throughout the night no need to fight never a frown with golden brown every time just like the last on her ship tied to the mast two distant lands takes both my hands never a frown Golden Brown Golden Brown Fine attemptress Through the ages She's heading west from far away, stays for a day, never a frown with golden brown. for a frown with golden brown that's for you rostin sitting there fretting over liverpool's transfer business don't worry about it klopp's got it sorted it's all right anyway that's for you mate wallow in that and uh, prior to hearing the stranglers from 1982 off their uh, sixth lp la folie we heard love and rockets from their fourth record and self-titled record uh, from 1989 that's a single entitled So Alive, and of course uh, Love and Rockets concocted of uh, three of the four uh, remnants of uh, Bauhaus. 
Bauhaus without Pete Murphy, essentially, uh, for the uninitiated amongst you. Next, we're going to hear something from the latest release by um, The Boy Least Likely To. Nice fey indie pop, I would hasten to say, uh, consisting of lyricist and singer uh, Joff Owen and uh, composer and multi-instrumentalist Pete Hobbs. Got there in the end, didn't I? And if you want to know all there is to know about uh, The Boy Least Likely To, go to theboyleastlikely2.bandcamp.com where you will be able to buy anything and everything that they have put to retail. There you have it, and here it is. I knew it was you You haven't changed at all I don't think we've seen each other Since the graduation fall Did you stick around it for long? After I moved away Yeah. 
chorus isn't that lovely that's typical that's the lp version off their debut record uh, from 92 called sue one of three singles off uh, the record and uh, they were and are from brighton in case you're interested and that was preceded by uh, the boy least likely to uh, and uh, a song called it could have been me uh, and this particular fraser chorus song is going out to frank from uh, trash can sinatras who is just getting over some surgery there in california hoping to have uh, trash can sinatras on the program in the next uh, three or four weeks or so they've just announced at uh, their website trashcansinatras.com that there is a i think a 30-date acoustic um uh, north american tour uh, a mighty, mighty tour. One Canadian day I know for a fact is Toronto. I'm not so f- sure if any more have been added at this point, but uh, you Americans uh, have got no uh, no excuse. They are doing a uh, a very concise, comprehensive tour across the United States and uh, and select Canadian markets. Hopefully, more than just Toronto. Uh, maybe you lot in Vancouver will be uh, be lucky enough to see them, and I'll have to maybe have to hop in a car if I want to do the very, very same. Now, the fall. 
God bless them. And if you listen to the programme, you will know that each and every week we play the obligatory fall oh, track. And this week, we're going to uh, do the very, very same. Of course we're going to do that. But uh, we're celebrating a new release. Uh, the first uh, new fall album for quite some time, actually, on Cherry Red Records. Go out and purchase it. Uh, or go on Spotify, listen to it to death, then go and buy it. Um, from the brand new New Facts Emerge on Cherry Red Records, we're going to hear a song called Brillo De Facto.
should be ashamed that's gallon drunk that is from uh, their 93 from the heart of town lp and uh, that was their second lp on uh, clawfist records and brillo de facto from new facts emerge brand new stuff by the fall that was our obligatory fall oh track of the week this week for our um, weekly peel gonna do something a little bit out of the ordinary actually um usually play a song song you know a proper, proper song. In this instance, though, uh, from 1978, uh, from the Peel session uh, recorded uh, in August of that year, um, the, the, the lads, Skids, uh, they recorded The Saints Are Coming. But at the end of the song, they tacked on, um, well, a perverse tongue-in-cheek piss-take slash tribute of Mr Peel. And it goes like this. <laughs> <laughs> now, here it is. Again, one, two, three, four. His name is John Peel and he's the leader of the team. 
the dirtiest young man the world has ever seen. He's here, he's there, he's everywhere, he's into schoolgirls. And now that it's his birthday, he's the oldest in the world. Na, 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 na. Happy birthday! <laughs>
Two American belters there for you. And those are going out to uh, to Scott, who is the man, the main man at uh, Scully's Records in New Orleans, who I had the pleasure of meeting last week and uh, spending a lot of time with talking about music. And we have a lot of similar, similar bands uh, that we uh, follow and adore. And uh, I'd like to thank him because uh, I had a, a semi-successful trip there. Walked away with uh, with five items, which I was rather happy with. Uh, anyway, Scott, thank you so much, mate. Lovely to have made your acquaintance. Hope that you continue to listen, and uh, hopefully I'll be able to bump into you uh, down that neck of the woods uh, in the not-too-distant future. Lovely part of the world, by the way, New Orleans. Sweltering, but my word, best grub I've ever had. 
hands down. So that was Matthew Sweet from his fourth LP, Girlfriend, from 1991 on Zoo Records. I interviewed him on that, uh, well, in, in that uh, time frame, actually, and uh, I was given the interview on a, a Philips DCC, a digital compact cassette, which was proprietary, which lasted all of five minutes, and... Uh, I've got the interview still at home on on the uh, on that uh, said cassette, which I obviously can't bloody play because uh, the players, the hardware concerned, uh, didn't even make a dent in the marketplace. And before that, another beauty, an American beauty, uh, Paul Westerberg, and his uh, the replacements. One of two singles pulled off 1985's Tim, uh, the other being uh, Bastards of Young, and that was Kiss Me on the Bus, an absolute beauty, crikey. I've been threatening to play this uh, song for the last uh, four weeks, I think. Um, com- combination of uh, being away, technical difficulties and bumping it. Uh, Jad Fair has a new record out, and uh, it's in conjunction with Tennis Coats and uh, uh, Teenage Fan Club's Norman Blake. So I'm eventually getting around to playing the song I've been wanting to play for a while. My heart has wings, so it does What we do is what we did And what we did is good And fine and right and sure My heart has wings and knows to fly Solid as an anvil, strong as a rock Like a bird, my heart has wings Open your eyes and you will see it A good day coming, good day here Open your eyes, you will see it, it's all round. What we do is what we did, what we did is good, sure and fine. My heart has wings, wings, wings. Brand new day is here, brand new how, brand new why. Brand new bang, brand new pal. It's here.
our time in the sun is now.
Souls, the real people from their second LP from uh, 1996, the LP entitled uh, What's on the Outside? And that's an LP track called uh, The Same. And that was preceded by uh, the, the song that I've been meaning to play for weeks and weeks from the latest Jad Fair LP, My Heart Has Wings. And he is assisted unequivocally by Tennis Coates and uh, Norman Blake. Well, you all know what that means, don't you, kids? It's Tinterweb time. Right, for this week's Tinterweb time, we're going to go to valancerecords.com slash white hyphen knuckle hyphen jawride hyphen remix. It's not a website, really, for me to uh, bang on about like I normally do in terms of something that I want to share with you where you can dig deep. This is a free track by uh, an outfit called Sister Ray, who I've played uh, a lot of material from over the course of the, the past few months. And I wanted to let you know that it's it's a freebie track and it's a rather good one. I'm going to play it for you as soon as I finish chuntering on here. White Knuckles, you're right. This is the uh, the Feral 5 remix. So if you go to this URL, uh, valancerecords.com slash white hyphen knuckle hyphen joyride hyphen remix, you can get your copy of this. And I hope that it's still up by the time you're listening to this on the podcast via whatever means you are listening to it on, if that makes any sense whatsoever. So here it is. This is uh, Sister Ray with uh, White Knuckle Jewel Ride. We're approaching the end of the program, actually. We've got to a lot of songs, haven't we? Uh, but I've got to uh, get to one last feature before the interview with, with Stephen from uh, The Telescopes. We've got to get to our uh, Essential Wax RLP of the week being this, uh, this week, uh, Long Pigs. The sun is often out. But before we get there, here's Sister Ray.
this week's essential wax is Long Pigs, and that is from their first album. The Sun is Often Out, released in, um, crikey, when was it released? I should know that, shouldn't I? Being that it's, uh, it's the Essential Wax LP of the week, uh, released in, uh, in 1996. Now, the record that you just heard was the first single, She Said, which was released way, way, way back before the album was released, but was re-released a year later because it uh, gained a lot and by a lot, I mean a lot of uh, popularity. Now, who are these people? Well, they're uh, Chris Pinhunt, Richard Hawley, who you well know has gone on to uh, great, great things post Long Pigs, Simon Stafford, uh, f- and uh, former uh, Cabaret Voltaire member Dee Boyle. All of Long Pigs material are on the Mother label, uh, and there were one, two, three, four, five, five, count them five singles pulled off this record. We're going to hear another one now called Far.
Blondpigs with their third single and a single that resides on 1996's The Sun Is Off and Out and uh, that was uh, followed by 1999's Mobile Home uh, their second and final record so again Essential Wax LP of the Week 1996's The Sun Is Off and Out by Long Pigs on Mother Records and uh, I told you every week my amnesia strikes I did forget to, to mention to you that uh, we did hear earlier on after the Jad Fair track uh, we heard um, the real people from 1996's What's on the Outside their second LP we heard a, a song and album track entitled The Same and that uh, preceded uh, Tinsweb Time whereby we heard White Knuckle Joyride the Feral 5 remix uh, by Sister Ray so it's time for some The Telescopes. Telescopes, and that's their eighth single from 1991 on Creation Records. Going to play one more song uh, by the Telescopes before we get into the interview uh, with Stephen Laurie, which uh, is a gem. As, as I always say, nothing to do with me. It's the people I get on and uh, the stuff they, that they disclose. Wonderful chat with Stephen forthcoming. So um, we heard the eighth single. We're going to now hear something that is uh, a split single with A Place to Bury Strangers, which is available from uh, Fuzz Club Records. And if you want the record, uh, the 
URL is in the show notes. So check the show notes. Every show, I put all the names of the songs and all the applicable hashtags in, uh, and websites that uh, are of interest associated with those tracks. Uh, also, take note, the telescopes.bandcamp.com is where you can get just about everything. Uh, ironically, save for this song I'm going to play right now. And this is uh, a, a song that they were requested uh, to, uh, to record. Uh, and it is a song by Iggy and the Stooges as if you need any introduction to I Want to Be Your Dog.
the telescopes. Split single number six from Fuzz Club Records. Split with uh, a place to bury strangers. You can still get the record actually. The the limited edition uh, clear orange vinyl have all gone, but you can get the white vinyl for twelve fifty Canadian dollars on uh, thefuzzclub.com slash collections slash sale page. So it's over to uh, pseudo me now and uh, a wonderful chat with the telescopes and Stephen Laurie. So Stephen, thank you so much for uh, for joining us and uh, there's a whole load of questions I have on the tip of my tongue. But why don't we start off with uh, with the lovely, shiny new record and we can talk about how that came to fruition and uh, perhaps when he started to write it and uh, talk about it transitioning from its uh, previous title and even the previous title to that, uh, the material uh, that uh, ostensibly appears on, on, on the Tapet re- uh, record label. Um, <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I just kind of continued writing from okay, some, of the, some of the songs that have been around for a while, like uh, little bits of ideas scribbled here and there. Um, and... Uh, yeah, it's kind of like that when I write, really. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Things just like pop into my mind, um, like a little idea I had a while ago, and I go back and look at it, and all of a sudden it complete completely makes sense, and I just finish it off in a couple of minutes, you know. Well, you you've been you know on record as saying, and this is something that um, I found immensely interesting because uh, in my limited career, I. I I, I learned early on that I had zero uh, prowess when it came to musicianship. That's why I became a DJ and an audiophile. But I also were uh, very intrigued with the machinations behind the recording process. So I took it upon myself to take an audio engineering course, which I know that you have, uh, over the course of time, through osmosis by people that you work with and also spending a concerted amount of time twiddling knobs, as it were. Um, I'm fascinated by uh, by your uh, claim or uh, tr- trying to explain that when when you hear when it's the audible you go beyond the audible and you see uh, geometric aspects you see shapes you see uh, you see interconnections it's almost mathematical. Um, kind yeah, kind of, um, but it's also like uh, I don't know. I see like abstract little scenes, like you know, with situations and things like that. You know. It's a bit dreamlike in a way, um, you know. How, like uh, you can't re- like when you explain a dream to somebody the next day, it can just sound incredibly boring. <laughs> well, it's very <laughs> subjective. But at the time, it, there was so much implied by just just mm. the tiniest movement or something like that that <clears throat> it's, it's kind of abstract, I suppose. Well, you. Well, let's talk, talk about the record itself, because um, uh, to the uninitiated or, or the semi-initiated, they're familiar with the, the early part of your career, the, the, yeah. the, the, the creation days, which we're not going to delve into because that's more than well documented. Uh, we're all interested to know about uh, the current works uh, and, and what, what you're up to forthcoming. Uh, we, I use the word prolific uh, in very certain circumstances because not many artists are, but you are. <laughs> you're forever creating and you're always ahead of the game. Um, so you've got this album in the can right now uh, as Light Return. Can you tell us about uh, the process that you, that you uh, go through whereby uh, you're writing on napkins, you might have a dictaphone, you, you, might, uh, you might just have one of these uh, wonderful memories whereby you remember everything. How do you uh, construct? I'm sure it's not a boilerplate or some kind of uh, uh, some template, but I'm sure you must have a style. Yeah, 
Well, it's it's funny. The last thing that you said that um, <clears throat> you know, keeping it all in your head, that tends to be the the yardstick I measure my ideas by, as if they'll stick in your head. And you know, if you, if I'm sitting writing a song, I, I, I like purposely sitting down and working on an idea. I'll tr- I'll try not to use a pen and paper or a computer or anything like that I try and do it all in my own head and then if I can retain it and it feels right and it and it comes out right when I'm singing it feels natural and stuff like that then I think I'm onto something it's it, writing things down that can look like they work as poetry but when you actually try and sing them it, it could come out sounding very awkward and you know, it's, it's it's a different thing. It's a different thing completely. I think. I mean, there's a lot of similarities. I mean, I, 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 poetry, reading people's poetry, makes me see sort of things as well. You know. Yeah, yeah. But as, as does music. But um, it tends to be very based around like my my own head. Like it's like when I go on tour and stuff like that. I'll just people think I'm sleeping in the back of the van and I'm actually writing, you know. <laughs> I notice other people in the band, like, with notebooks out and they're working on their stuff because a lot of them play in other bands as well. And, mm. you know, they've got pages and pages of, <laughs> of writing, you know. Yeah, yeah. So, I'll, sometimes I get, like, eureka moments where, like, a, like a whole verse or an idea or a title come to me and I think, you know, I haven't got a lot of time to work on stuff for a while, so I'll, I will put it in a book then, you know. Yeah. But it's that's just all of my notebooks are just there in case I get stuck one day. Really, <laughs> it's, it's a... <laughs> they're not really something I go to a lot for for writing purposes. It, it does have to be in my head, you know. But um, that said, you know, I do have bits. You know, I remember a piece that I wrote a while ago and put in a book, and I'll be thinking to myself, "How does that go?" And I'll, you know, I'll dig through all my books and scraps of paper or little digital files and try and find it. <laughs> I was wondering how, how See if archival, it was as good as I thought it was. How archival is that? Are you, are, are you, the, you know, you're talking uh, uh, shoeboxes and just, just jam full of oddments that you will sift through every once in a while. Is it, is it reasonably organised or is it organised chaos? Uh, well, I do have some notebooks. That I, like. I have a notebook that I leave by my... Oh, I've got about three notebooks I leave by my bears. Yeah. I've got yeah, you have a few to. downstairs, like, uh, you know, near, like on the sofa. <laughs> I've got them scattered around everywhere, you know, like some by my computer. And then, like, you know, I'll be tidying up, like, you know, throwing out old bills I've kept or something like that, <laughs> and then I'll find things scribbled on the back of those and... You know, they're just everywhere, really. So it's not as organised as the Smithsonian, but you at least have them. They're just all over the shop, essentially. Yeah, and it's, uh, the, the stuff that I've got on my, on my computer is pretty organised, I guess. <laughs> I have a folder. <laughs> a designated folder. <laughs> yeah. But then with audio files, it's it's not so much, you know, it's it's kind of everywhere. I can appreciate that. It's, it's like it's like my audio library. It's uh, you, you can either spend the time making it meticulous in terms of uh, all the details, or you can just have the track. And uh, nowadays, it's 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 such a time thief to label something appropriately and file it away. And goodness knows if someone inherited and my then art, back it up just to make sure. That's it. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm pretty sure you, your hard drive is like mine, unnavigable uh, to to, <laughs> to, to, to <laughs> anybody but yourself. Now, now, if you could. Uh, kindly touch upon um, how, how you landed at Tapet, because um, the label itself, 
beautiful label, uh, a boutique label, and I hope it remains as such. Uh, and I would expect that uh, part and parcel of that is the element of control. And uh, from, from all accounts, the label are uh, a true label, whereby they work very, very hard. They want people on their label, not because of any cachet, it's because they generally like the music. And I can name drop a couple, uh, aside from yourself, uh, is Bill Pritchard, who's... Uh, uh, very close uh, to, to my heart and also uh, the remnants of what would be the monochrome set as well as well as yourself and uh, it's a label that uh, is beautifully diverse uh, how did you end up uh, being a part of the roster uh, it was through a, sh a show we were supposed to do in Hamburg um, we had a few European dates and I think uh, we played Paris and then we were supposed to go over to um, Hamburg, but the show got cancelled, and so we decided to spend the rest of the time just jamming with our friends in Paris. And then I got a message from the label, um, just saying that they were really disappointed that they missed us and that they wanted to talk to me about making some records together. So it all kind of went from there, really, from something not working out as we planned to, you know, something more positive coming from it. Well, it's, it's what you put out there and what you get back. I would suppose that I'm, I'm a firm believer in that. Now, now the label itself, um, we could we can go back to the creation days. And where I'm going with this is is, is the aesthetic. Uh, the oral sculptures that you create are, are are just wonderful. But I've always been a fan uh, of of album artwork as well as as what's on it. And uh, in in the, in the beginnings uh, prior to creation, um, there wasn't really a theme per se. Uh, creation, I think. Uh, tried their very best to uh, keep an aesthetic that would be uh, familiar uh, at least or but having said that it could be mistaken for a ride EP because it, it tended to get a bit homogenized at one point creation when they were chucking out their artwork the latest works seem very very individualistic uh, and I'm assuming I'm sticking my neck on the block here thinking that you've had uh, you've had something to do with the actual uh, artwork that you've ended up with well yeah I mean the last two albums I did the artwork myself um, and then other some of the other records has just been like somebody will show me a piece of their artwork or something I'll you know say oh <laughs> you know it'll click with the album and then I'll ask them for permission to use it and um, so there's a few times it happens like that And but yeah I do sort of oversee all of that it has to work with the music uh, the big test to me is like when we think we've got the sleeve I'll listen to the mixes and if it works as a sort of experience of looking at the image and listening to the music, you know, see what it throws up. Well, on, on a scale of one to ten, of course, this is very, very subjective. Uh, I consider myself to be, uh, I wouldn't even say borderline. You ask my wife, she'd say I'm a terminal. I'm terminal OCD uh, and, uh, and hyper pedantic about certain things. Now, with you in the studio, with your, uh, well, the rate at which you create um, and uh, the people that you liaise and and and, uh, and work with, how how precious are you about your material, and how easy is it for you to loosen the grip sometimes to entrust what you want uh, to somebody else? Yeah, I have to force myself to do that because uh, I mean, um, the first record that I did pretty much, I mean, with different musicians playing with me, but with me producing it and and doing all that side of it as well. Um, was the fourth album, and that, I was just remixing that over and over again. You know, it took a couple of years to do. 
Uh, to the point where I was starting to get on everyone's nerves, really. They was, kept saying to me, look, it's finished. You know, it was finished months ago. But for me, it would be just a little tiny something that you can't explain, like a little harmonic on something that's not quite right. Or it's like a puzzle trying to, you know, everybody would be, you know, sort of agree with me when I solved the puzzle that I'd, I'd been on the right track for doing it. But sometimes it's, you know, it's harder for people to go, other people to go that extra bit. Would you but, consider, um, sorry, go ahead, sorry. Yeah, I mean, I, I do try, like sometimes I'll, I'll work on, like the Hungry Audio tapes, I thought to myself, with that one, I'm going to do this really quickly. Hmm. And just make split second decisions about everything. And it's just a, good to have different ways of working, you know, it throws up different things. And, and yeah, it is. Sometimes it is painful to let go. And would you consider that a bane? Because uh, sometimes it can be a curse. I mean, you can be going over those twenty-four, forty-eight tracks till time immemorial, and it could end up in a padded cell. At some point, it's it's got it's got to go. Oh yeah, it's got to go. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, yeah. I mean, it's, it's it's very easy to lose your mind <laughs> to that kind of thing. Yeah, it's hard to keep the focus on it. Yeah, I mean, pretty much everything I've done, I can listen to it and think, yeah, I could have changed that. But it kind of, you know, like, I think playing live helps with that a lot. Because every time you play live, you can try and play the song exactly as it is on the record, but it's always going to be a little bit different in some way. Mm -hmm. Just like when you're rehearsing a song, each time you play it, you know, towards the end the feel will probably reflect the fact that you're tired of playing the song you know <laughs> and you want to play a different song whereas at the beginning it'll sound fresher you know indeed indeed so, yeah. there's a lot to be said for first takes i think well there is and and i was going to ask you actually um it, on on the theme of the whole the whole gamut of of, of the package i wanted to talk about uh, just briefly about the video uh, you know the way which i understand that uh, that byron uh, was behind it's a singularly unique uh, piece of work, and um, what was the genesis of that? Because it, uh, I've watched it numerous times, and it's unlike anything I've ever seen. Well, th that was basically Byron's idea. Um, uh, I mean, he, he works on lots of stuff as a mutual extermination club, like music and visuals as well. Yeah. Um, he sent me like an idea, a loose idea that he had, and. It was pretty much 75% there, you know. Uh, we just, next time we went up to the studio, we filmed a load of bits like on handheld stuff to send him to play with as well. And he just mixed that in. But yeah, it's pretty much his vision. He was filming stuff while he was playing on tour with us. I mean, some of the clips there, I think there's a bit on a beach or something that's just the morning after our show in a place in Ireland just messing around and didn't even know he was filming you know fantastic and and the fruits of that are a video lovely stuff now now i want to talk about um another aspect of i'm just going through my notes here now when you listen to the harm release those two mammoth tracks i'm not saying it's an anomaly in in terms of the sequential repertoire that you've been uh, that you've been recording but it does stand out on its own and, and how did that come to come to pass? Whereby you thought oh, it's going to be it's going to be two songer, it's going to be two sider. How did that happen? Um, I think just 
I think I had a loose idea that we're, we're going to just do two tracks. Um, <clears throat> but I don't know, mind about us doing more as well, but uh, it's just kind of the way they came out, really. I explained to the band some loose ideas, gave them some loose coordinates uh, to head towards, um, told them what I was going to be doing with the vocals. So they kind of presented a kind of abstract shape to them. Mm. Uh, and then we just blasted through each track and I think I went out for a smoke and came back in and Ricky who was playing with us uh, just sort of said, you know, I should listen to it because it sounds like it's there, you know. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, he was right. Just one of those rare moments when it's done in one. Yeah, yeah. But it, it seems to be becoming more of a, a common occurrence, really, with us. We've seen like, a lot of uh, Hidden Fields is, is pretty much mostly first takes. Wow. Um, and most of us like Return as well. That's incredible, because, I mean, that is a gross anomaly. I mean, I know that you know that. Um, and if you're comfy with it and it works, that's 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 fantastic. But uh, it's not the norm by, by a long stretch. Um now you've you've worked you touched upon Hidden Fields, wonderful wonderful record, and I know that you worked uh, you were back and forth to Glasgow on that one, working with uh, working with Saint uh, Deluxe, and 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 I, and I read somewhere because my memory uh, my my recollections aren't uh, immensely accurate, but I do I do remember reading that uh, you put down most of the uh, the formative aspects on on uh, on acoustic guitar for Hidden Fields. Um, I mean, that's how they were written. Yeah. But when it ca actually came to recording, it was um, it was pretty much me, the bass player, and the drummer Ross. Uh, just we put we put I play rhythm guitar and had Brian on bass, and we just put the tracks down as a three piece and take it from there. And you you must be comfortable because. Uh the community vibe that uh, that goes down with the Saint Deluxe Posse. I'm, I'm assuming that, of course, you're, you're very comfy with it, and they're very, very uh, established, and they've got they've got a, a quite a sizable and uh, impressive CV of their own, haven't they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, they're great to work with. They work with all kinds of different artists because uh, they they do a lot of recording up at uh, Riverside yeah. Music Complex. Um, so they work with all kinds of different artists. Um, I mean, their studio started off uh, just as a bedroom recording thing, doing demos of Jesus Mary Chain, people like that, and it's grown from there. So they've had all kinds of different musicians coming through, and they've played with different musicians as well themselves. Yeah, they know their onions. I think it's fairly fair to say those those lads. Yeah, and they're fine at working different ways. They've got their own way of working as well. You know, but it's, you know, it's a compromise. I mean, some of the tracks on. The latest album, uh, two of them I started off at home on my own and then just sent them the files to finish off. And you know, I was just amazed at what they sent back. Yeah, yeah. I, I, I've only spoken to uh, one other artist who's worked with them closely and uh, they come highly, highly recommended. It's lovely that you can you have that synergy whereby you can just work together and you know, hop on a train and get a few hours done, then go back home and know that uh, you know it's it's there to continue whenever you feel like it. That must be a nice feeling. Yeah, yeah, and we communicate online a lot and talk about the tracks and stuff like that as well. Yeah, yeah. Now, the, the cover versions of wh of which uh, let's talk about uh, the Stooges first. First of all, now that uh, that came out wonderfully packaged on on uh, on on, uh, Fuzz, on Fuzz Label. Now, 
I can only assume that there might have been an element of, of, of choice on your part, or, or was it a track that they just wanted you to cover uh, for, 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 the, for the compilation in the 10-inch? Yeah, it, it was actually suggested by Casper from Fuzz Club. He said to me, uh, he, he specifically wanted us to record that song. And he said, the thing that people don't get about your music is it's basically rock and roll. So <laughs> that's his way of, that's his interpretation of what we do. Well, it's it's, it's hard not to talk about um, perhaps other bands that you might like to cover because you put your own touch to, to a song that has, let's be honest, has been done to death. And if you're going to do a cover version, you, 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 you've got to do a damn good job of it. Otherwise, it's, uh, it's almost a futile endeavour. You didn't, you didn't succumb to that. Um, if, if, you were, if you were given a, a fairly decent budget to, to go into the studio to record uh, you know, a handful of cover versions, is there something that you're, you're burning to do and put your touch upon? It's not, it's not something... I, I mean, every now and again I hear a track that I think, yeah, it'd be good to do a version of that, but then I question myself and think, well, <laughs> the track's already there and you already like it, what's the point? I mean, with the I Want to Be Your Dog, I, like, I had a different sort of... Um, like an, a kind of... Uh, 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 an atonal kind of note that I could hear in it. And I could also hear a different kind of rhythm ideas, slightly different to what they do. So there was, I was inspired to do that, you know. So, and that's that's you have to have a way into a song. You have to have a different, for me anyway, like a, a kind of purpose for doing it. Some kind of eureka moment, or you know, flash of inspiration that. No, but I like, sort I like... of finds your your own way of doing it you know your way in there you know well it's, it's well in my on my side of the table here that's that's a perfectly legitimate answer whereby you feel that a lot of people do them uh, do it, you know, and as you said if you're going to do it you do it well uh, and some of them are, are perfect and don't need mucking with so 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 why mess with it so it's, it's a tricky one and i totally appreciate that you haven't got this uh, list as long as your arm of, of potential covers to, to to chip away at and uh, i totally respect that because you've, you've given us all we need to explain that one now um a couple more things i wanted to ask you about specifically um about uh, anton newcomb and um your dealings with him and you've crossed paths with him over the course of time and I understand that he was a, a fan pre-internet and uh, was communicating with you old school with letters and sending you stuff and uh, you, you eventually got to work with, with each other uh, reasonably recently. Uh, no, I mean, he, he, it was, he wasn't sending me letters. It was like, uh, it, was, it was sort of the start of um, digital communications, I suppose, who, quite kind of early on he started getting in touch with me I mean quite a few guys from his band like the, the original members yeah. when, when they started have told me that, that they they used to listen to the telescope second album and hold that up as a yardstick for their own music and say we've got whatever yes. we do it's got to be better than this you know <laughs> so they were absolutely I mean it, yeah uh, they're very inspired by it and quite a few of his members including him he's told me that as well um, well, it's high praise. It's high praise because um, I'm, I'm, yeah, I'm, I mean, like, I, we haven't actually worked together. I mean, he's been suggesting it recently, um, but I've worked, done some music in his studio with his engineer, um, 
and using these guitars as well. <laughs> so you haven't quite collaborated uh, properly, as as they would say, but you have uh, you've been in the same space and been been using his using his instruments. So um, now, yeah, I mean, I've been to his new studio as well. He's shown me all around that and stuff like that, and I've heard stuff he's been working on. And he's t- he he kind of suggested working on some stuff together. Um, but from the sound of it, he's kind of harking back to old telescopes, what he's got in mind. And, you know, like I said about cover versions, they're already there. You know, the old yeah. telescopes are already there. I see zero inspiration in recreating something I've already done, you know. Absolutely. It seems pointless to me. Sure. No, I understand that implicitly. Um, now, there's a couple of things I wanted to get to. Uh, you've been very generous with your time. Uh, I wanted to ask you... Uh, about any forthcoming work because uh, if your track record and uh, your release uh, schedule is to go by you should be you should be offering us something else and it's become really quite selfish for us because you've been really really busy of late and we've been treated to lots and lots of new material uh, is there anything else that we can uh, it's like you know is there, is there going to be some uh, some new material that we can look forward to in the, in the coming months yeah i've got another album that's Pretty much, well, it's finished and it's ready to go. Basically. Why am I surprised? Waiting for a little bit of time to pass and then we'll put it out. <laughs> <laughs> so you've got one in the can, and uh, no doubt you're probably you're probably working on the the next but one already. Oh yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, I'm working. I'm, I'm actually going back to work on the stuff I recorded in Berlin because I had a, a bit of a computer crash myself, so I lost. Well, you see, all, all the stuff that I'd built oh, after I got back from Berlin, but I've still got the stuff from Berlin and also we did some recordings with uh, Richard Formby who worked on the uh, early telescopes records yes so it was good to be working with him again and it, it's very different to the early stuff as well so well you're a band or you? that's going to be on a, an album that should hopefully come out next year well I'll, I'll, I'll hang my hat on that I think to be fair Stephen um, I think that you've uh, you, you created a rod. You created a rod for your own back. I think now <laughs> there's now an expectancy that we can have a, at least two telescope full lens every year. But it's, it's been uh, it's been wonderful to witness the uh, well, the comeback as it were. I hate to use that kind of terminology, but uh, there was a there was a period of your absence, and uh, uh, the work post creation has been an absolute joy to follow. And uh, you're predictably unpredictable, but you are definitively the telescopes you can uh, there is that there is that sound and of course it's so subjective to you that uh, you can't be expected to to hear a song as uh, as i would for instance uh, but there is there is something very recognizable about the sound however your sound is uh, is, is so diverse over the i'd say over the past six six releases um there's a common thread but they're all intrinsically different records although i would hasten to say there's lots of overlap in terms of when they were written and when they were actually put to tape Oh yeah, yeah, totally. Yeah, for me, like it's uh, trying to create a listening experience that takes you beyond the realm of natural vision. Wow. That's okay. Then that's see, that's the that's the focus. Okay, so all these journalists who've interviewed that that's the elevator pitch right there. That's the one line. So you've you've succinctly captured it. So I'm gonna I'm gonna write that down, and that's gonna be uh, the title of the interview because you've you've enveloped everything in one sentence, even though you probably don't realise that you have. <laughs> Nicely done. I've I've got one last question for you, and it, and it's uh, it's not flippant. It's something I ask everybody, and uh, uh, it usually stumps most. Not because it's uh, it's rocket science. It's just something that uh, you know provokes thought. Uh, biscuits are a serious business. So hypothetically, 
you've played a gig in Ottawa and uh, you're around my place, had a nice dinner and uh, stick the kettle on, cup of tea, sitting there and I bring out the biscuit tin. Only caveat being, Stephen, it's a, uh, it's a magic biscuit tin and you can choose any biscuit or biscuit derivative on God's green earth. What would you plump for? Right, okay. Uh, well, it'll have to be one of those uh, ones with the crystallised ginger in. So I'm a bit of a fan of that. Okay, so so I, I have on my very, very articulate and intricate uh, infographic, I've got, I've got the plain old ginger nut. So I'm going to have to create a category all of its own that has the crystalline... They're all right, the plain ginger nut, but they're kind of hard on the teeth, you know, something like, like a, something grandma would make. Yeah. Something nice and out the oven <laughs> gotcha gotcha so you, you, you're, the, you're the hybridized real ginger ginger nut so I'll put you down for that um, so in the interim uh, by the time I probably uh, send you the podcast as being ready you probably recorded another album but uh, it, it'll be it'll be up in the next week or so so I will uh, I will dutifully send you the links when everything has been uh, produced properly as it were uh, and, okay. and it's been an absolute pleasure thank you so much for your time and uh, I'll, I'll be in touch and I'll also be sending you uh, some biscuit infographics uh, over the course of the next couple of days <laughs> as well whether, brilliant whether, I'll look forward to whether it. you like it or not so thank you so much it's been a, been a pleasure and a pleasure. Uh, hopefully we can catch up next year and talk about uh, the, the next two albums that we can uh, all look forward to yeah sure I'd be happy to wonderful stuff take care take care cheers bye bye well, there you have it. You're completely up to date with the wonderful world of the telescopes. Thank you so much, Stephen, for the chat. And uh, I hope that you've been uh, suitably indoctrinated into the world of the telescopes. Don't forget that you can go to uh, their Bandcamp page to get uh, the vast, vast majority of the releases that uh, we've touched upon. And plenty, plenty more. Thetelescopes.bandcamp.com One more track to play by said wonderful band. We're going to go to uh, 2015 to Hidden Fields which is the record that we did talk uh, quite a bit about. I'm going to hear an album track called You Know The Way.
and so ends episode 49 of Near Perfect Pitch. Thank you uh, one and all for listening. Uh, my thanks, uh, of course, go to uh, Stephen, uh, the telescopes himself. Um, and I hope you enjoyed the programme, all the features. If you like what you hear, I always say you've got impeccable taste, you lot. Do spread the word. It would be uh, much appreciated on my part. As a reminder to uh, those that perhaps don't know, um, I play all my own records and uh, put this together myself. And... Uh, Yes, it has its flaws and its faults, it's riddled with them, but uh, maybe that's part of its charm in terms of being uh, um, almost anarchic. But uh, it's all about the music, isn't it? It's not about me chuntering on, it's about the music and the guests, and I do hope that you like it, and I do hope that you share. As a reminder, nearperfectpitch.com, nearperfectpitch at gmail.com is uh, the email to get me by, and I'll be back next week for number 50. It's a seismic, seismic episode next week, and uh, we'll be talking to uh, Bill Pritchard next week. He's our featured guest. Until next week, uh, uh, but before I do go, I'm going issue to issue you some homework. Tom Petty was by a couple of weeks ago here. Uh, and uh, do yourself a favour. Listen to uh, Don't Come Around Here No More, and just imagine for one second that Wayne Coyne and the Flaming Lips were dutifully performing that song. That's some food for thought for you, some homework. Anyway, ta See you next week. <laughs>